You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. I have something on my heart that I want to share, and it's been on my mind for a long time. I'm not exactly sure why it seems so strong right now, except that we have a daughter who is this age, and I recently heard a story about this, and it just struck my heart so hard. I want to do something about it. So let me tell you, I have a, a deep concern for the youth in our nation, ages 18 to 21, that are aging out of foster care. And to be painfully honest, I never knew this was a thing. I never gave too much thought to, you know, what happens to the foster kids if they don't find families before they turn 18? And then what happens to them after age 18? Well, tragically, what I learned from a program that I watched was that at age 18, if the child has not been adopted, at age 18, they become, I think, technically or perhaps legally an adult and they're sent out the door. And I've seen something like this in movies before, but it's movies. But this is a reality that literally here in America, as of 2019, there are approximately four, 440,000 foster youth nationwide. But there are 30,000 youth aging out of that system, ages 18 to 21. And those young people, are literally going out on the streets. There are, some of them are literally living on the streets. Some of them out of necessity for just pure survival are turning to ways of life that are not productive for themselves or for society. They are, there are safety issues, there are health issues. And in the long run, if the situation isn't changed, it becomes a burden to society financially because of the millions of dollars that are going into societal costs to take care of the kids that have aged out, that are living on the streets, that are becoming pregnant, that have healthcare issues, mental issues, an abundance of things. And I want to know how I best can help. And I, I do have a little story about that. But Linda, does that strike a chord with you at all? Oh, it definitely strikes a chord, Becky, because when I worked for the police department, I worked in juvenile and I saw a lot of these kids and I saw the results of exactly what you're talking about. I saw them uh, on the streets. I saw them being uh, kind of taken over by pimps and uh, all kinds of you know, bad situations for them. I was speaking recently to Judge Renee Yanta in Texas, and she works in the San Antonio court system. And this is a big 
issue with her as well. And she has says to me exactly the same things that you just said, and that it was something so heavy on her heart that she started a program in San Antonio for uh, foster kids to learn life skills. And she brings them in every week and has them come in and spend hours and with a whole big group of volunteers that do all different things. So it might be a man that comes in and he's teaching the boys how to do auto mechanics. And it might be uh, a woman that comes in and teaches them how to cook or how to, you know, take care of different things themselves, how to read a document so that they don't get cheated, how to, um, you know, just, just survive on their own, just life skills. And I, I just think it was such a great program and, a program like that would be so helpful all around the country because these kids have, they get put out literally on the street and they have nowhere to go. And what happens to them? They, they get picked up into situations like prostitution or they become trafficked. They, they have to find somebody that they can trust, but oftentimes the people that they trust are not trustworthy Right. And it's, it's just, it's really such a little, you know, hamster on a wheel situation for them. It breaks my heart. And I, my goodness, it's such a big question that you're asking. What can we do? I've attempted to volunteer. I've actually attempted to volunteer at a place in Lansing that is a quote house for those that have aged out age 18 to 21. And long story short, my intention was to do that very thing, Linda, was to offer uh, conversations with the kids, at least, or young adults, I'll say, in life skills, how to do some basic life skills that everybody needs to have. But they weren't interested in that. What they wanted me to do, and get this, they wanted me to bake birthday cakes generic birthday cakes. And that's all they were looking for. Oh, that'll help their life, won't it? That will give them cavities, which will take them to the dentist. And then (laughs) how do they pay for that? And then society pays for that. (laughs) Judy, you have, you have a lot of experience with foster children. I do. I actually do my own, my own little Emma. We adopted her when she was almost three and she really had, I mean, just a really, really tough um, existence prior to our adopting her. And I mean, not to her own fault at all. It's just the system. They ran her around to so many different places between being taken from birth and given to her foster mom and then trying to reunite her with her mom and then back to the foster mom and then out to an aunt and uncle and then back to the foster mom until finally, finally they decided that we could adopt her. And uh, it's so damaging. I cannot even begin to explain how damaging uh, this is to her, to this child in a way of trust and believing that the adults in your life are going to care for you that the, you know, that you can allow somebody else to be in control because she obviously, whoever was making the decisions for her 
was not making decisions for her. And it was a horrendous, really a horrendous situation. Just in general, I believe that the, right, absolutely. We've, we've told her that no matter what this world said or what this world did, that God chose her to be a Moran, no matter what. And that, yay, poor (laughs) thing. And I get to mess you up. Yes, I do. (laughs) So, (laughs) and she has, she's just brought so much joy to her life. But what I really want to say about all of that is that the whole foster care system is truly broken, that these children are suffering, not only when they age out. And, and even then, just like you said, uh, one in five children who age out will end up on the streets. Just, uh, and, and you already know this. Um, many jurisdictions recently have extended the foster care uh, beyond age 18 to age 21. Because wow. I believe that states are starting to understand that young adults are in need, really, and more support. And yet, I look at my own daughter, who's 21, and, and she's still not ready. She, you know, I mean, right. she keeps, I can't, I don't know about you, Becky, but I get a lot of texts. Hey, mom, oh. I'm out of money. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I get that to, quite often, right? Well, but, that's a lot of things. You're you're so spot mm-hmm. on for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you know, your question is okay. What can we do to help? And I think that obviously it's it it's very general for for us to say, oh, support foster care families in your community, big and small ways to tutor, to babysit, la, 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 la. Well, how do you even find them? Do you go to the state? Do you go to what Michigan or so we're from Michigan? Would you go to the Michigan's, uh, I don't want to say customer service, <laughs> well, but no, the, the services, family services, or I, or do you go to the organizations like national foster parent association and try to find out what we can do? i Sometimes I wonder if, like, you showed up, right, and you wanted to help, you wanted to become a mentor, uh, volunteer in any way that you could, and yet it's almost like they held their hand up to you and oh, said, yeah. oh, we got this, yeah. right? We got this. We don't, we don't need your help. Yeah. And yet they desperately need our help, desperately. So what do you think is the contradiction? Why, no, why wouldn't they... It would seem to me that in those situations, they would say, oh, we could, we could certainly use your help. Why don't you come in and just talk to, obviously there would need to be vetting. You'd, you'd want somebody to come in after you have checked them out and made sure that they're not living a life, or rather to say, make sure they are living a life with a level of societal acceptance shall we say so there's no ulterior motives right correct correct yeah the person or persons would obviously be vetted but you would think that someone offering their time to talk Mm -hmm. with the kids in the effort to help them assimilate into society shortly would be greatly wanted but it was seemed very odd to me that what they it was sort of like, you know, we're, we're not really looking for real help. 
But if you want to bake a cake, you know, the kids don't get right. cake and they don't. Right. Well, baking a cake isn't going to make up for 18 years of never having a birthday. No. Celebrated. No. It, it could actually no. be a trigger and, and move in right. the wrong direction. Um, Becky, I wonder if, if you have to maybe go back and, and ask all those questions because they're very relevant and you deserve an answer to those questions because we are talking about young people's lives here and people that once they are put out of foster care and they have no money and they have nowhere to go and they really have no life skills and they have no support system, what does happen to them? They're ripe for being sex trafficked. They're ripe for Mm -hmm. having an unwanted pregnancy. They're ripe for getting into, ripe for getting into say uh, a gang or some, because people search out a family of some sort, you know, they, people need to have that social connection and those social connections that are available to them are not always good. It used to be that we had churches that handled things like this and that, that gave acceptance and people welcomed right. kids like these into their fold. And there was always people willing to help. And we have so gotten away from that in this country. I think it's tragic that we have made our churches be so um, unaccepted and we've taken God out of everything. So Mm -hmm. the churches have really pulled back and we don't have that support system that we used to have within our churches to help these situations. So, so what is the answer? And I agree with Judy, that the system is absolutely broken all the way from the birth of a child that needs to go into foster Mm -hmm. care to the exit of that child from foster care. It's broken. And by doing that, we're breaking our young adults too. And the the fact that the numbers are so big, at least they're big in my mind, knowing Mm -hmm. 440,000 foster kids exist, but then 30,000 youth are just being set free for lack of a better word on their own with no help whatsoever. That's a big number. That's a really big number. And I would think that that would negate um, what seems to be the hiding of it. It's almost as if it's being hidden. It's sort of what happens, I think maybe with the homeless is keep it, keep it quiet, keep it, under wow. under the radar yes this is a problem that we have but we've got it we're fixing we're taking care of it we're dealing with it well they're they're not dealing with it as far as i can see to know that these numbers are still there that's if there are programs happening here in lansing i'm i haven't been able to find them or at least other right. than the one that i found that wasn't interested in right. having me volunteer without even right without even questioning. And Linda, to your point, it would be good actually for me to return there and have another conversation and ask more questions and find out as a volunteer, not looking for a paid position, but as a volunteer, wouldn't it be helpful if myself and then other people could volunteer their time to teach some of the basic life skills, balancing a checkbook, actually dealing with money at all 
and being responsible, being a, being a responsible member of society and what that takes. They, the kids are starting out at such a disadvantage they are. When, when compared to the life that I have experienced and what we have given our child. I, I don't you know, know how to help them. Yeah, I, I love your heart, Becky. I just love it. I, um, and I think it goes back to what Linda said prior, but and before we used to be able to rely on the churches. And yet, for instance, in my own church, whenever I have a really great idea like this, my pastor says to me, well, go, Judy, go do it. <laughs> this uh, is your passion. You create this program for our church and you, from your creation, you will enroll volunteers and create it uh, yourself and, you know, under our umbrella and we'll support you. Mm-hmm. They always say, that's great. You should start it yourself and, and really, you know, recruit others in your circle and in your church to help you. The other thing that I was just looking at is um, their, the um, foster care website says what you can do to help is become a court appointed special advocate for foster youth in this role. If this role fits your life, a special advocate in the courts ensures foster youth are getting all of their legal needs met by getting to know those children and their situations and then vocalizing their opinions of a positive and sensitive care plan in the courts and during that so you're protecting them and you're doing just what you said so that they they are protected legally uh, but they're also now you become a mentor and right. you can help prepare them. Heck, at church, I would do a Dave Ramsey course for all kids, you know, 16 and older who are in the foster care system. That would be phenomenal. I, at school where my daughter, my daughters go to school, it's required in our school. Fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. Well, AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. Join us, we're in this together, and we consider you part of our family in our crusade to share the news commentary, and agenda that can lead America back again. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. So I am so excited that the three of us are together again. My name's Judy Moran, and Linda picked me up in Vegas at my <laughs> husband. <laughs> I met. I'm not sure how to I met Linda. I know. <laughs> oh, we were blessed. I was just. <laughs> we were really blessed to meet each other at a conference that we attended 
in Las Vegas where my husband yeah. spoke <laughs> and we really hit it off. Uh, so Linda Martinelli is here with us today, as well as my dear friend, Becky Kolminen, who Hello. I just love your brain. I love your brain. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so here we are. And you know what is really, it's not that I'm all fired up about it, but is this is on my heart and it is always on my heart. It's about having crucial conversations about aging and what happens next. It, it is very interesting. I, as you guys know, I'm a cancer survivor. And yet when I was faced with my own mortality, it was so surprising, right? It is really surprising when you're faced with your own mortality. And you don't really, it's interesting because you don't want to talk about it. And yet to have a plan is so essential. My daddy had uh, dementia. He had vascular dementia, which I had no idea what was going on. And, and normally when our parents uh, begin to suffer from this disease, we don't know. Uh, as I look back over our life together, I can see that it, it, I think it started when he was in his sixties and it, you know, it, and not realizing it. And what's interesting is what I've learned and I had no idea, but what I learned as I went along is the very first thing to go really is your, your social shield. We, we all have a social shield that protects us from saying what we're thinking. I may think, man, Becky, you need a new hairdo or <laughs> right <laughs> or no, or whatever. I would never say it. I might later on say, "Hey, you know, let's go but get you, our hair done or whatever." But, but I would never have We have right. a filter. I have a filter, right? Yeah, okay. And my my daddy started to lose his filter and he was the kindest most gentle, loving man ever. The man never struck me. He never spanked me. He yelled really loud, but it wasn't, (laughs) he never, you know, but he, he, and he became, it's interesting because he, his filter was gone. And I think what happens then, you know, in your brain, because I read the 36 hour day, which is a magnificent book. If you ever, uh, are running into this challenge with a loved one or even yourself, God forbid, but it gave me so much. What the book did was it gave me grace with him because I understood it helped me to understand what he was experiencing. And when you really do start to lose your mind, you are terrified. And when you get scared, I mean, for me, I don't know about you guys, but when I get scared, I get angry. I'm mad oh, that I'm scared. A lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. And they, and so they, they start to lash out and then with the lashing, with no filter and then they're lashing out. It's just devastating. It's devastating to relationships, especially if it's occurring and you have no idea that that's what was wrong. And getting him diagnosed was a nightmare. I kept taking him back, 
to the VA and begging, what is wrong? The man, he's waking up at three in the morning and he's calling me acting like it's three in the afternoon, right? Mm. And they would just look at me and and I, I would say, what is going on? This is not right. This is not right. So, uh, and they, they, getting them diagnosed was really, really difficult. Wow. So what happened for me and what, why I, this is on my heart is that each progression for him, each time that the disease progressed, I was unprepared for the next phase. I was completely unprepared. And I didn't, I found myself making decisions for my dad that if he had said, listen to me, if I had sat down with him and said, okay, daddy, not that this is going to happen, but eventually what's eventually if, if you get to the point where you cannot care for yourself, what do you want to have happen? Okay. Mm-hmm. What, and, and not even that that's going to happen, but I want to have that convert. I wish I would have had that conversation with him before it happened because I was playing catch up. All of a sudden, the, my friend who is the dentist called me and said, Jude, your dad's here and he is in the corner muttering to himself. He's talking to himself oh. and he cannot go home. And he was driving. And there's such a balance between he was my dad. He raised me to now I'm the parent, but he doesn't want me to be the parent. I can't tell him what to do, but I have to tell him what to do. And oh my gosh. So I had to go, I picked him up and I brought him straight home. And now I'm moving him into my home with no preparation because Mm. I'm realizing in that moment, he can't live by himself anymore. So it would be like waking up today saying, hey, you know, dad's moving in today, right? Holy cow. You have to make preparations. And if I had had that conversation when he was well and I said, okay, so if this was to happen, then what do you want to happen next? Well, I, I, I would really like somebody to come in and take care of me. Okay. I think that's great. How much is that going to cost? Let's do the research right, and right. do the research and say, okay, it's going to cost this. So I don't think you can afford it. So what do you want to have happen then? Okay. Well, could I come live with you? Sure. This yeah. is, and, and so what we'll, we'll put, we'll put, you know, sort of like lines in the sand. If this happens, daddy, then I think it's time for you to move in with me. And then, okay, what happens next? What happens when I can't care for you any longer? Right. right? And Judy, when, when, when would mm-hmm. you have had that conversation? Just when, when you very first started noticing signs while he was still really mostly present, that, mm-hmm. that would have been the, the best time, do you think? I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even waited until there were any signs. Okay. I would, so- I would have had, I would have had that conversation in, in his sixties when we're all, you know, we're all well, all of us are well and happy and it's wonderful. I would have a family meeting and say, this is not for us. This is for you. And I don't, I don't, it's not that I want to know about your money. I don't need to know about your money. All I want to know is what you want to have happen next. And then what, what next and what next all the way to the point where 
you have passed away because nope. I don't want to guess. I don't want to guess. That is I don't so want to guess what, what you want. What you're saying is so important. And Absolutely. what most of us don't want to think about and don't want to deal with. And we, and we need to, and it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Becky, what, what exactly, what do you think there? I do actually have a lot to say, and it's in such stark contrast, Judy, to what you've just shared, which thank you for sharing. That's, it's difficult to hear. And I'm sorry that that was the experience that you had with your father's situation. That's to say that's hard. is not enough. So with my parents who are now 82 and 86 and thank the good Lord going so strong, still living in their own home. They are, they act more like they're in their late sixties than they do in their eighties. However, for decades now, they have had all of their funeral plans taken care of. Everything is done. And they have about once a year, I think, shown us the papers, told us again and again, all you have to do is show up for the funeral. Everything is done. In fact, we just had a conversation the other day about a headstone that they want to pick out and what they would like to have on that headstone, actually. So wonderful. And because they have seen, as we have in on my husband's side of the family, how it doesn't work when you don't pre-plan and you don't have, and not just pre-plan, but have those conversations, which I really think is always difficult, but it can be additionally difficult depending upon the personality. Whereas some people, as for instance, my husband's mother refused to speak of death, refused to admit it was going to happen. She was 90. Five, I think, or 96 when she passed and had no plans. She refused to, she refused with a daughter who was a financial advisor and pressed and pressed and pressed and adamantly thought she was going to beat death somehow. Um, so I'm <laughs> grateful that all of those conversations have taken place possibly too many times in our family to the point now where it's almost like <laughs> casual conversation and we almost, we joke about right. it, which is which isn't bad, but I know my father has taken my brother and I with he and my mother to their financial advisors. We, we know, we know everything and for right or wrong, good or bad, we do. And I want to do the same for the next generation because Judy, that as you have learned in the most painful way, how important that is. That's, that's a tough conversation. And a lot of people are too uncomfortable to have it. And we have to put that aside because, you know, I I mean, to your point, I I know that my husband and I have definitely had this conversation between us, what we want for each other. um, But it's a conversation that we should be having with our four kids as well. So does that mean you have not had that yet, Linda? Well, we have, we have talked about a number of things uh, and we, we really also have things laid out in uh, a living trust as to, you know, everything that, that we desire, but I still think it's great to have a conversation. We, we've talked about, uh, you know, who's, who would manage things. I mean, if something happened to my husband and I at the same time, who, who would manage things? 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, which one of the kids is the best with, uh, you know, handling something like an estate, that's, that's a lot of work for somebody. And the person needs to know that. So we've definitely had those conversations, because they have to be willing to, you know, step in there and have that role. And a lot of times there's a lot of um, family disagreements, you know, I mean, everything uh, many times, unfortunately, becomes about money when Mm -hmm. people pass away. And if there's any money, then the kids get into a big fight. And so I, I definitely think that it's best to lay everything out as best can be done and have all those conversations about, do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? And do you want, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many little nuances. Do you want life-saving measures if you're in this condition or that oh, condition? Yeah. You know, all those things yeah. are, are things that really need to be discussed because, you know, we, we kind of had the same situation with my dad, although it, it was congestive heart failure. It was not uh, something that happened over time. It, once he went to the hospital, I mean, he never came out, but still, in that situation, everything happened so fast and nobody knew what his wishes were. You mm, know, right. uh, so I, I think that that all in all, I mean, we handled that very well and did everything that he would have wanted. Um, but that being said, he did not take care of some things that he should have taken care of to protect his family. So that the, the conversation for both sides so is important. equally valuable. It's we do so 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 important. We do have a, an interesting, if there's a, a few minutes left here, interesting caveat I... to my situation with my parents, in that my brother has been executor, named executor of the estate for years. And we have recently had a a an estrangement, let's say, between my brother and our family which seems to be mending between my brother and my parents, but it is still estranged between my brother and myself. And because of this situation, my father is in the process process of deciding whether or not he should remove him as executor and in his place have someone that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's completely unbiased. unbiased. Completely. Which I am all for. I am. Mm-hmm. I am all for I having that too. be the case. Um, never in my life would I have ever, 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 ever thought there would be an estrangement between my brother and myself. We just inconceivable. But it has happened, and I maybe don't he know. has dementia. Yeah, no. you know, I, I would love to say that's what it is. Life throws. <laughs> life throws. You never off. know. You know. It's, <laughs> So what do you guys want to hear my plan? My big yes, plan? I do. We want to hear right, the Judy so plan. This is the Judy plan. And this is only if my beloved husband passes away before me, but he's a good five years older than me. So it might happen. <laughs> but if, if he passes before me, only if he passes before me, I'm gathering all of my best girlfriends. And instead of going to, you know, all of us living in our own little apartment, we're going to rent or buy a fabulous mansion on the beach each of us is going to have a suite you know a great a little master bedroom and we'll share this fabulous place and we're going to hire a nurse a driver a cleaner 
you know, cook and a bartender. What do you think? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It'll actually be cheaper than going to a home. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's actually, that's actually true. I love the plan. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing a little Frankie and Grace thing happening. I, I think it's going to be fabulous. So, but all I really want to say to everyone is have the courageous conversation and put a plan together, whether it's your own plan or your parents' plan. Absolutely. It's, it's really important to do. You're here. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older, until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Well, welcome back again. And here we are. I want to talk about a very timely subject that is on my mind a lot and on everybody's mind, actually, worldwide, and that is COVID. I don't so much want to talk about the medical part of COVID, although there's, you know, there's so much out there and everybody disagrees. But my bottom line is that this disease was acquired from China, however it was acquired, whether people believe that it's a biological weapon that was created. Um, I'm probably somebody that leans in that direction or whether it was an accident and something got out. I have no idea, and it's it's honestly not my job to know. So I'll let you know the the people that are in charge figure that part out. 
the issue is that we are all affected and we're, I mean, worldwide we're affected. I have friends in different countries and I talk to them and I hear the stories from their countries. It's all so heartbreaking. And now we're getting to the point where we're understanding more about how this disease works and things that can affect it for the better to help people recover and not go through the, the, the critical situations that they had been going through at first. And that all takes time and research and, um, you know, experimentation and testing and all of those things. But some other things in the United States, particularly, have been happening that I, I just find both disturbing and also there are silver linings. So we really shut down our country. And by doing that, we cost so, so many jobs and so many people to, um, you know, lose income and lose wealth and just have, have issues come up that they never would think of. So children that were taken out of school, they may, if they were in an abusive home, they were probably in an even more abusive home because they're there more and there's no safety net for them. And marriages that maybe were not great, maybe were even not greater. And then you have the other side where people who, who had good marriages or who had um, the ability to have good marriages, they, they found, refound themselves, you know, they, they now had time to spend together and they reprioritized what's really important in life. And those are the things that are on my mind is more the silver linings that we've seen from having this horrible disease around the world are the things that maybe we can learn from it and maybe we can take something good out of this very bad situation. So to that point, the things that I think about are all of the kids that have had to stay home from school. And I know that that's very, very hard on parents, especially parents that have to work. But it also gave parents time to spend with their kids because we live in a world where we're so rushed and our kids are doing all these different things and they're going to school and then they're going to sports and then they're going to music and they're doing all these things. And, and they also, they live on, you know, the, the games, the electronic games that, or their phones, you know, that we don't have that much social interaction as we used to have between parents and kids. So we're using television and other electronic things as babysitters. Now parents have had to actually spend time with their kids, which I think is wonderful. And I think it gave parents a time to actually see what their kids were doing in school, what they're learning is what they're learning, what I want them to be learning, is what they're learning all they need to be learning, what kind of job are the schools doing? And I think that those things are benefits of us slowing down and slowing down life and being off work to see what's happening in our own families that I think somewhere in this crazy society got a little bit lost over time. And I wanna talk that through with, you, Becky, and you, Judy, and find out how you think that COVID has 
or if it does, have any silver linings? Well, personally, it has had, I consider, great silver linings in our own family. And I can only speak for myself and our family. But that time that we had from March, uh, March 13th was when we brought our daughter home from college until she went back in August. It was a beautiful time of real transformation for her. She had an epiphany really of what she wanted to do for the rest of her life. And it was different than the path that she was on. And this was brought about by conversations that we had until two in the morning. I tell you, it has taken me months to get back on an adult schedule. We would <laughs> stay up until two o'clock in the morning and talk. And then I'd have to get up in the morning and work. And wow, I don't know how they do it, except they're 19 and I'm not. So our family time became very close and I will cherish this time forever. We did interact with my parents but no one else. Um, once we did get together with my brother and sister-in-law, but we were distanced, we were outdoors. And so for us, it has been a very good time of being together and spending the time that we otherwise, we would have not had. There's, it just would not have happened because they were not, the kids weren't ever scheduled to be home for five months. We considered it a gift. I, I did the same. People that don't. Becky, yeah. I, I, I did the same in our family where my husband and I each own businesses and we travel all the time. We're always traveling most times together, but sometimes in different directions. And we eat out a lot. And in this time, we have been able to cook at home every day, have our family over at least four nights a week. We've got our best friends and our kids over having a meal and, you know, talking and, and just enjoying ourselves. And we have two of our four kids that live near us now and two that were still in California. And through this, uh, our third son decided to move out here to Texas. And I mean, to me, that was a, a huge gift. So now he's in, in this group that, you know, where we get together very often. And I think, that that would never ever have happened if it weren't for COVID. Why did that happen? It happened because he could no longer afford to live where he was living because he was laid off. So he had to make a decision. But for me, for him to be here is a whole different life change for him. And I think we'll just, just be so positive and it's positive for all of us. How about you, Judy? Oh, it was, uh, it was fantastic for for me in in so many ways. Uh, first off, Brian, uh, my husband, travels like you a lot. Uh, he 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 spoke at he, he's a speaker, and all of a sudden, none of that, no more traveling, and so I got to keep him at home, and that was fantastic. And then, just like you, Becky, Gabby came home, my oldest daughter from college, and. Uh, moved back in in March, and it was so wonderful. And of mm -hmm. course, Emma, she is 15. She's in ninth grade this year, and she 
So having the family home all the time was fantastic until I was a little bit like, okay, when are these people going home? And then I realized they are home. Oh, you're home. So, (laughs) but it was so wonderful and we're very, very close. The fun thing that I did too, because you're making dinner every single night again, right? And I typically do anyways. I typically at least four nights a week, I'll, I'll have, we'll all have dinner together. But with Emma, so I took Emma and I took Gabs and I said, one night a week, each of you is going to be responsible for dinner for the family. So you will decide what you're going to make. And we will, at that point, we were ordering our groceries. Will you tell me what I'm supposed to order and we'll have it delivered and you're fully in charge. And that first they balked, no way, blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) And I said, no, and it can't be pizza. There's no pizza. Right. (laughs) So it was fantastic. They really got into it. And for instance, Emma, she was actually 14 at the time. She said, mama, I'm going to make roasted chicken. All right. So I, we, we went through the menu of what she needed to get. I never touched a thing, but I told her step-by-step what to do. The pride. She was Uh so proud. She did a roasted chicken with lemon, stuffed it with lemon, and we had potatoes and carrots and mushrooms, and it was gorgeous. And she was so excited. And now she, they have the ability to make dinner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I one like of those that. life skills. Yeah, yeah. those mm-hmm. life skills are and important. Now, I'm curious they are. As, as to where... Where do we all go from here? Because we have a new reality now. You know, we yeah. have we have so much. Um, oh my gosh, they've politicized the whole COVID situation. It's your fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. Masks, mm-hmm. no masks. Um, some people are working. Same. Take states like California who have not opened a lot of things. I know the Disneyland workers have been, you know, up in arms about not being able to open. Thing things are are different. Our life is different. So what I want to ask in these last few minutes of both of you really is how do you think our new reality looks? What a good question. That is a good, good question. I, there's no, it's for the first time. And I like to be, I like to have my ducks in a row. So I like to plan. I don't really like surprises. So this has forced me, COVID has forced me to take life one day at a time. And I can't really look too far into the future beyond what's for dinner tonight, perhaps pizza. <laughs> but <laughs> but it is it has changed my mind about the way that I think. And I'm certainly having to trust God more for my future because people are fallible and diseases happen and tragedies happen. I just know that I have to be adaptable. I, I know things are going to change soon, possibly next month, early next month, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I think, I think, I think some things are going to change and I, I can't really predict anything except I'm doing the best that I can for what's best for our family. And yes, I am masking up 
I think it's the least that I can do to help protect my octogenarian parents and the newborn baby that just came into our lives with my niece and nephew and take it as it comes. Jude? Oh, I just personally, I, I do wish that we had more personal responsibility for our own health rather than making others responsible for our wellness. And I know that when I was on chemo, I didn't feel that it was your responsibility to keep me healthy. It was my responsibility to, you know, after my treatment for the next two weeks, I would stay home. I wouldn't expose and I wouldn't allow anybody to come and visit me at that time. Right, right. And it was my own personal responsibility because my immune system was compromised. So to limit well people from their places of employment, from being able to provide for their families, to disrupting the supply chain, to everything. I just wish that we would have more personal responsibility and less shame and responsibility for everything. Does that make sense? It does. It sounds almost like government doesn't trust their people. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it, and it's not all, I mean, here in Texas, we've really been quite open all along and we've not done any worse than any other state. So I do appreciate our governor for that, but, but on a personal note, you know, my, my hope and my prayer is that parents will reconnect with their kids more now that they've had this time to do so. I, I think that that we lost a lot of that in our society. We, we, we just became, you know, people passing in the night, parents and kids, where, where parents used to always be very involved with their kids. And rather than having them be babysat by a video game, they were out playing catch with them and that type of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm hoping that that comes more. And I'm seeing more and more people in my area out for walks together. I mean, droves of more people out for walks together and doing more things together. And I really, really like that. And I also really hope that this, that parents can look and understand what their kids have and have not been learning in schools and see if that learning uh, is within what, whatever their personal family values are. You know, are they, are they learning the things that they should be learning or are they learning things that uh, somebody with an ulterior motive, you know, towards more of a hate America type agenda is teaching their kids. And that isn't just for young kids. It's, it's for older kids. And, and are they, is my third grader learning a sex education that I don't want them to learn? I think it's such a good time for reflection on you know, with families spending more time together, being able to look at these things and make changes in their life to the positive for their families. And and those are things that, that I see that I really hope come out of this horrible, terrible situation, which never seems to end. I mean, it goes up and down and all around and we, we never really get rid of it and probably will not until there is some sort of a vaccine. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, you know, I want to make the best of it and I want to learn what I can. And I am enjoying spending the time with, you know, my husband, my family, my dog, 
looking outside in the yard and seeing things that I really never noticed before, like all the squirrels in the trees and just things like that. Taking, taking more time. I like it. Lovely. Me too. Lovely. I noticed on Facebook, I recently posted another gorgeous picture of all of the trees and the leaves and the colors and fall and autumn this year seems to be so spectacular. And whether it is or not, I'm seeing people appreciating this incredible beauty that's in the leaves and in the, the changing of the season here. And I'm thinking that that does have something to do with the fact that people are seeking a reprieve from not only the election, but from the COVID and seeking for something peaceful and calming and a, just a reprieve, even if it's a few minutes looking at the gorgeous leaves and the squirrels running through the leaves, it's a, a necessary thing to do to find your peace. Would you agree, Judy? Oh, absolutely. It's so beautiful. I wonder if it's God's gift to us after this, you know, it's like the rainbow at the end of the storm. And we can never lose hope. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. <laughs>